Thanks. <laughs> I, uh, it's an in-person meeting as well as um, the public has the ability to call in. We'll know that based on the screen. So we'll see how that goes. Um, a couple of little odds and ends. Number one, I'd appreciate it. Across the Silence. I'm zoomed in, uh, and I, I just make sure are you? Yep, I'm. You are. Yep. I'm muted. Thank you. Try it again. Um, again, cell phones, please either muted or off those that are calling in um i'd appreciate it if unless you're speaking or asking questions you are muted as well by the way we have a little friend here named owl and if you notice the guy's pretty clever he'll focus on whomever is speaking at least it's supposed to work that way that is um it's amazing what technology can do for us uh, let's see what else. Everyone is signed in or should have been signed in by now. Okay, perfect. With that, I'd like to call to order the October 7th, 2020 meeting of the Route County Planning Commission. I'm going to call the roll just indicate if we're here. Greg is not here. Andy Benjamin, you know. Linda Miller. Present. Yay. Bill Norris, here. Ben Martin, here. Brian Kelly, here. Paul Weiss, here. Jim Francia, here. Sorry, Jim, I always screwed that up. Roberta Marshall, and me. Yes, Steve Warnke. For the record, we have a quorum. I'd like to call again this meeting to order. At this point in time, next item on the agenda is public comment. Anyone who wishes to address the commissioners on any topic that is not on the agenda this evening, that would be the time to do so. Hearing and seeing none, we'll move to the next item on the agenda. Do we have, Christy, do you know who's um, on with us? Um, yes, we have a member of the public Dale, and we have one of our consultants who has signed on for the next item. Thought I recognize that. Okay, very good. Thank you. Uh, next item is approval of the minutes of September second, twenty twenty one. I believe this set of minutes is exactly one page long. Reflects one of our longer, shorter meetings. Sorry. Right, there be a motion. Eric, first of all, any corrections, additions, deletions to the minutes of September 2nd? Mr. Chair, we have a motion. Might there be a second? Thank you, Brian. All those in favor, please signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed say no. Motion is carried. Next will be the minutes of September 16th, 2021. Once again, any additions, deletions, or corrections in the minutes? 
Hearing none. Move we approve the minutes from September 16, 2021 as presented. Thank you, Brian. There might be a second. I'll second it. Thank you, Rem. All those in favor, please signify by saying yes. Yes. Opposed saying no. Motion is carried. Minutes are approved. <coughs> Item for consideration Thunderstruck Adventures Special Use Permit Activity PL 21 155 Special Use Permit for Snowmobile Tours. Uh, typically, the way we operate, the petitioner makes a brief presentation to the commission so we understand exactly what it is you want to do. Now would be the time to do so. Mr. Chairman, sir, I refuse myself for this. Surely, may. Thank you. I'm guessing you must be Clay. Yes, I am. Introduction here in a second. Just gonna get this fired up. All right, awesome. Thank you everyone for being here tonight. My name is Clay Vogel. I'm the owner of Little Truck Films. I run it with my wife, Beckett here. A little bit about me, I grew up in Minnesota, really had a deep passion for snowmobiling. Uh, I decided that I wanted to pursue a career in snowmobiling. One of the ways to do that is to offer guided adventures to clients. So I took the initiative, moved myself out from Midwinda, Minnesota, attended CMC here at Steamboat, and worked on just getting a good connection on a local basis and, and learning as much as I could about the riding areas and, and what it took to, uh, to run a business. So I actually went to Martin Kingston's business program at CMC. Um, pretty, pretty fun guy, actually. It was a good, it was a, a, a unique instructor. We, we, had a, we had a good time with him. So we will jump in and take a look at our application that we are presenting today. So a little bit on the backstory of Thunderstrike Adventures. 
Um, we have been operating in Steeple for three years. We were previously under, we were previously operating under another permit that was issued on Cairo 80s under Elk Mountain Adventures. Um, it came to our attention that that permit had lapsed. The, uh, the owner of that permit had not made the payment on it last year. So that's why we're here renewing the permit through us and getting everything moved over. There's also some stuff with land permits that we have since moved over to Thunder Shrug Adventures. Things basically be, had, has been converted over to Thunder Shrug Adventures other than this permit that uh, we need to kind of be getting on the cage. Uh, we're a fully insured business. We are nationally national forest permitted and we also have a great group of team members that do a great job uh, with our clients and our they're all CPR and first aid be trained. Some of the key points about Thunderstruck Adventures, we get our clients to meet at our Thunderstruck Adventure office here at Steamboat Springs on the west side of Steamboat, right across from uh, Napa Auto Parts. They arrive at nine o'clock in the morning. We get them geared up, instructed, what we're gonna go through the day. From there, we haul them out with the snowmobiles and a trailer for the truck or a van. And we will go to Cairo 80 and then stage from there. I'm going to go over a few maps for you in a few minutes to give you a better perspective of what all that looks like. Um, we have two different types of tours that are offered. One is a trail sled. So they are just staying on the trail, doing the loop, coming back. Nice, easy, kind of a laid back tour. The other one is a little bit more higher adventure. And that's where guests are able to get off trail. They're able to ride more than just what your typical green trail is. And that's where our private land that we have leased comes in handy to let customers go and do that. All guys' snowmobiles are first aid pack, and each guy has radials and is CPR certified. All <coughs> snowmobiles are brand new 2022 two-stroke snowmobiles. Um, two-stroke, if you're thinking 10, 15 years ago, loud, noisy, really bad polluting machines. They're, they're not very fun to, they're not a very fun sight to see. Um, these things, these days, you sit next to a four-stroke, it's very difficult unless you're trained to tell the difference between the two. So the technology on the new snowmobiles that we're using has come very far, very low impact environmentally, and, and very, very quiet. We have a full evac plan in place. Never know what might happen. We're fully prepared. We have vehicles off-site that are ready to come on-site if needed. Our privately leased property does have hunting cabins on it, so we're able to store emergency equipment up at our riding area. It's about a 13 to 14 mile ride from where we stage to where we actually start riding. So to have something back at the parking lot, that's great. But being able to have stuff at the parking lot, off-site and on-site, pretty much three different locations, depending on where the sleds are and where an accident might happen, gives us a really good opportunity to uh, make sure that we're taking care of clients if something unfortunate were to happen. But now for some of the main points of talk. This is the overview of kind of the whole shingling operation permit that we're proposing. So the light blue, that is our California Park permitted area through the National Forest Service. The yellow line on the south side or the bottom side of the screen, that is County Road 80. That's what we take up to access California Park or our private mountain, which is the Mike Nottingham land. That's in the dark blue. And last but not least, Forest Road Service, Forest Service Road 42 is up there connecting uh, to California Park. That's the overview. I'll go in and cover each one individually. There's three things we're going to cover. 
cover each one individually, but that's kind of an overview for you to kind of have piece together in your mind as we talk about it. First one, our private mountain. Like I said, it is located just on the border of California Park. So this would be looking from the southwest, looking northeast. Get the big sand mountains up there. Right across that mountain range is going to be Steamboat Lake, Forest Service Road 42. You can see up to the north, we've got Cairo 80. That's that little squiggly line that goes all the way up. That's kind of where our mountain sits in relation to California Park and Cairo 80. Now, for County Road 80, this is where we'll leave Steamboat at our office. We'll take 40. We get off right before the railroad tracks, get off on 70 there, go up until we hit 80. And then at 80, you can see up there in the left hand corner, that's the winter turnaround. So that's where the plow plows to. Pretty nice big size parking lot, um, does a turnaround there. And then from there, there's no more winter maintenance on the rest of County Road 80. So that's where we get our clients to. That's where we unload the sleds. That's where we get everything staged from. That's where we ride in to either California Park or, or our private land. And as you can see, private land is in that blue, once again, that dark blue. The other point of interest that's probably gonna be the biggest conversation of the night is FSR 42. This stretch of land allows us basically to have access later in the season when Cairo 80 would melt down. So our preferred method of access is Cairo 80. Cairo 80 is a little bit easier to get to by vehicle. It's only about a 25 minute drive. We're going all the way to FSR, it's a 50 minute drive. So we'd much rather prefer the stage from Cairo 80, but there will come times as everyone knows here, how that south facing stuff gets warm and it melts out quickly. So typically on a good year, you could probably operate on average up to about April 1st. We would like to see our April, we'd like to see our season go to April 15th. So basically the last two weeks of the year is kind of what we're proposing for this use. As of right now, if you look up to the left side, there is the road that goes into California National Park. We are permitted up to that line. I'm gonna show a map here in a minute, just how big FSR 42 is that we are permitted on and just how little this section is that we're trying to get access to so that we can kind of complete the whole picture of things. Then you can also see bottom right hand here, um, our mountain in relation to where MSR 42 is at. So like I mentioned, the, um, the total distance of FSR 42 that we are not currently <coughs> permitted on is 981 yards. That is surrounded by private residences, and that is circled up there in that red circle. As soon as you hit that green line, it's a little hard to tell, but you can kind of tell the squiggly lines that go throughout and then go all the way up to kind of 80 on the left-hand side. That's all FSR 42. We're permitted on all that for the National Forest Service, but obviously because we have private residents surrounding that 981 yards, we're not permitted on that. That's the elephant part. A little more history on FSR 42. Um, you know, there's been a lot of comments on, you know, alternative staging areas and, and stuff like that. And the reason that we proposed the way we have is for, for the reason that 
Technically, a Thunderstruck guide cannot guide a client out of, let's say, the uh, Dutch Hill parking lot. Even though it's literally right across the road from where we're walking the ride, because it touches Steamboat State Park, that would be a whole other permit that we need to pull. We can't even deliver a snowmill for a client to wrap it up pass. If we deliver a sled to these areas and just drop it off and the client rides it, no guide, that's considered guiding. There's only one permit. So as much as we'd love to just pull a permit to park up there and then use the snowmill trail to access from um, Steamboat State Lake, unfortunately, it's just not possible unless we want to pull a permit. And that is probably not going to happen because there are other publishers out there. So that's why we, in our proposal, would like the ability to park at the trailhead of FSR 42, unload client sleds from there, and then from there, we can either go back to Steamboat or the guy himself, he can park up at the parking lot. He just can't have clients with him or he can't have client sleds with him. So the, being technical on it, that's the reason why things are structured that way. So the client sleds are left and stayed at FSR 42, and the guy parks up and then rises the sled down back to him, perfectly fine. That's great. The clients just can't leave from the Dutch Hill parking lot with the guy unless one leave the guy. So another way to look at it is, you know, later in the season, we'd like to be guiding our clients. We'd like to not have to send them out on their own. They do have the option to bring <coughs> only with us, but they're responsible for picking up the sled taking it off site and riding it on their own. They have that option. Most of the time, it's only the really experienced riders that are doing that. And we really don't encourage that often, but we do get some very good riders that want to ride rapid here for their buddies that already have sleds. They can just sled from us, they can go do that. What we don't want to see happening is that we're not able to guide the last two weeks of our season, and it ends up where clients that maybe shouldn't be out on their own are out riding because they still want to ride, even though we aren't able to offer our guides for this. So we would much rather prefer, I think everyone would much rather prefer to have us taking those clients through that little bit of stretch into the national forest, make sure they're safe all day, then the alternative of just sending that client out on their own ride, which is perfectly fine for them to do uh, if they're not allowed to ride with us. So last year, our last day of operating was March 29th. That's when Tyro 80 pretty much gave out. It went quick. You know, it looked like we were going to have another week or two on it. And once that sun came out and that south facing ground warmed up, it was gone pretty quickly. So, March 29th was the last day that we rode Tyro 80. Well, I still had my staff on board, had some family coming in for Easter. Got a lot of friends and family here, as you can tell, that are in support of this. You know, they, they want to help us kind of find a way to, to make this work and get this done. So, we started exploring alternative routes and it really FSR 42 is the only alternative route for us to use. So what we did is we, we ran it like we were running tours out of it, just to see if it would work. We wanted to see if we got, you know, hassled or, if, you know, if we were bothering residents, if we were, you know, causing havoc. We, we wanted to run it like a test run. So what we did was starting April or March 30, March 30th, we, uh, we rode out of FSR 42 uh, guides, our family, friends, just did it like we were given a tour. Um, and documented everything so that if there ever was an area where we wanted to apply for this, which we are in now, and there was some kickback, we could say we feel that we did a pretty good due diligence on uh, not having complaints last year, not hardly seeing anybody. So that's kind of what this highlights. It's a lot to cover. It's a day-by-day -day analysis. 
but it does show the snow depth, which is obviously important for running that on that road. Last year was one of the worst years that we've had in many years, as you are all aware. And even on a bad year like that, we still had plenty of snow. You know, the last day we rode, we had still 11 inches of snow depth on that trail. And that's tight snow, that's not powdery, that's been riding all year. So 11 inches of tight snow, that's really good. Also documented the amount of vehicles that were at the trailhead. Um, one truck with trailer, two trucks with trailer, zero, zero, two trucks trailer, one set sled deck, so on. Documented what was there, never that busy. Also documented what we brought in. Um, you can see some days we had up to 14 sleds that are out riding. We had some days three trucks with trailers. We took up some room there. We were, we were probably noticeable, I would say. And if we were going to be causing issues, I would have probably <coughs> thought that we'd make, a, make some noise last year. Um, no complaints came in. You know, we had a finish up truck and trailers there. If someone had an issue, they would, they would know who to call. Um, and we, we felt like we operated very, very responsibly and respectfully of that area. Um, and until I brought this up, I don't think anyone that was along that area of residence or that had written a letter in was probably even aware that we were there, which I think speaks to what we're trying to do with this application. Be as quiet and, and as peaceful as, as possible. To help rubbing anyone the wrong way or uh, disturbing anyone's peace because we all know North Rock there is it's beautiful and I do not blame anyone for not wanting to uh, have any eyesores or fumes or noises going by. I don't agree with that, but I do know that that's not really an issue. We are a five-star rated business. We are very proud of this. You know, we, uh, we strive heavily to do the best thing for our clients. We also try to do the best thing for the people that you know we're working with around us, whether it be you know vendors in town, the locals that were running past the house, and so forth. So with that five-star business range we pride ourselves on, you know, we, we take that more than just from the clients. We want to also give that to the people that we have to work with and, and, and work around in, in our business. So that is what I have for you guys on the presentation side. Again, thank you everyone for your time. Before we go to staff, any questions for the petitioner directly at this minute or moment? I'm confused about one thing. Yes. So at the intersection of 62 and 42, it's your intention to merely drop snowmobiles off. Correct. Yep. We were so with Cairo at 80. Um, we're not allowed any customer parking there and through the road and bridge. We're only allowed to park our own vehicles there. So when we saw that they put that stipulation in, we knew because of how small the area at FSR 42 is, we knew that we wouldn't even try to get parking there. So we just right away put in that our, 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 our goal was to drop off there and then leave there. Um, most of the comments coming in have been mainly just through the concern of us being parked there. And we feel that that's really not an issue because that's not what we're proposing to do. We're proposing to park off-site. Um, we can, like I said, go up to that um, parks arena, or we can go back to Steamboat and come back, depending on what we have for staff. And then explain to me difficult. Well, first of all, as I understand it, I think I heard you say your guides cannot offload at Marina, correct, and run, and the individuals. Well, they can, but you need a permit. Yeah, yes, we would. It would be considered a guiding permit, which they're not issuing right now because there already is a guiding permit for Steamboat Lake. 
So it's not technically possible for us to have that permit uh, unless we were to purchase the permit from the current holder or that current holder was to give his permit up and it was to go to the free market. So we would love to park up there. It's a bigger, nicer parking lot. It'd be easier. Um, uh, unfortunately, that alternative, it's just, it's not. Just like trying to get a permit up on Ravagers, it's not going to happen. Um, part of what you think the decision actually required right now, but show us there's, there's a piece of 42 that's actually called the old street. Yes, and I can yeah, and I can show you that. Is, is that plowed by the county? It wasn't clear to me. Correct. The county just plows along 62 and turns around right at the intersection of 62 and 42, or do they plow all the way to the forest border? So uh, I'm gonna my screen here and I can show you exactly so while I pull it up basically what we're looking at there is that's the winter turnaround um, and it is uh, easement with the forest service so that is an area for anyone that wants a winter recreation to use and park there. So our clients, we could send our clients, we could tell our clients, hey, you don't want to go right on your own, you can go park there. Our clients can go park there, anyone can go park there and use it. It's 60 feet wide. When we were there last year, we were parking our trucks and trailers three wide, um, and there was enough room there. Now, obviously, if someone parked us in, that would be a possibility, but there's room to park very easily with what the Forest Service gives the right to for easement, the 60 feet. So there's room and then one vehicle to get down the middle if there was an emergency and someone had to get back there um, or you know fire had to get back there resident had to get back there even if you parked double wide in that 25 there's still enough space to get a vehicle or or whatever through the middle there so yeah 60 feet we're dealing with and it's plowed probably 60 feet wide probably 200 to 300 feet long does it go all under the forest service boundary or it, it does not so that yeah, so that's so that little section of yellow that I was talking about, that's 981 acres. That's the part that's not plowed. That's that's the trail starts. So in order for us to connect to our forest service land and then to connect to our private property, this is why we need that permit, is so that we can legally ride on that 981 yards. I guess my the reason I'm asking the question is I'm wondering if there's any potential to actually park or unload within the Forest Service boundary as opposed to out on the intersection of 46. Unfortunately, there is not. There is no turnaround up there. Once you get past, once you get past the third house, it's a windy road and it actually cuts corner to corner um, up into California Park. So unfortunately, even if it were to be plowed, there would be no and then there was um, a number of comments about sanitation and people. Yep, so it would be the exact same. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yep, so it would be run the exact same way that we're currently running out of uh, kind of 80. So guests are using the restroom before they go. And then we have our on site cabins on private land. So once they're riding up there, they need to leave themselves up there. They can do that. So it's not like it looked in a lot of these concerns where. They haven't gone to the bathroom since nine o'clock in the morning. They have opportunities throughout the day to relieve themselves. The other thing is with 
um, the public parking at Dulch there, there or Dutch, there is restrooms there. So again, we can let a client use a restroom there. They just can't ride their snowmobile out there. Okay. Any other questions? A couple of questions. Um, Roadhouse has a permit for Steamboat Lake. Yeah, yep, correct, yep. Um, your Forest Service permit is specific to access. Does your Forest Service permit as it stands today allow you to park at that designated parking spot at the intersection? It does, so that was the question that I asked Erica Dickerman. I said, hey, we would like to access it through 42 at this location. She said, that's not something we do, that's something you gotta go to the next Okay. So that's where we were passed on. With that part of it. There's a bit of a gray area. Is it Mill Creek? Is it Forest Service Road 42? I think I can answer that question. It's, it, we have flats in that area that show um, it is 42. It's also called at that very beginning section, the 40 crossroads of cattle bar there. So from County Road 62 up to that um, cattle bar. That area has been shown on flats that it is more service road 42 at 60 foot one. Also referred to as R25. And that referral is through the county. Roads that are named with an R like that are just for identification purposes only. They're not built to any county road standards. And if the county has the time and the funds, they will go up and maybe grade those once a year. So that's that's the records that we have. That that is Forest Service Road from that point, the intersection all the way up. And the the homeowners there at, at Steamboat Lake subdivision are, are <coughs> managing the snow. There's no movement from Mill you know, Mill Creek 42 to 62. <coughs> in essence, the county turns around there. What happens is the county comes from the north, and then it uses that R25 area to do a turnaround and go back up. We also have a snowplow coming from the south that take, goes to the same area, turns around yeah. and goes back to the south. In essence, at the intersection. And that's the intersection. Yeah. So they are weeding that out, and that's what is creating the parking area for the public to use to access from that point of 42. Is there a limitation on that parking area? Has is, is anything been posted? It's not considered a parking, parking <laughs> area. It's a white spider room. It's like a trailhead yeah. for people to um, be able to park there and take their trailers down and load or unload. You could also um, cross country ski if you wanted to park there and cross country ski up there. In the summertime, obviously, you could start there and if you're biking. You could bike all the way up there, or you could take your Jeep and just keep going. Yeah. Or have the big rigs found, you know, they found this location? What was that? The big rate, the snowmobile, you know, Midwestern guys no, started it right now. We're trying to keep it quiet. Pass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, they found Roadhouse. I know, yeah. Roadhouse has got huge over that. So, no, it's, it's a, a, a quiet area. <laughs> no, it's, it's a quiet area. And, you know, our goal, like I said, it's not to, it's not to use it as our primary use of business. It's just to be able to use it on those two days that we need it to keep us rolling at the end of the season. And maybe a few times in season, Cairo 80, big open wide pastures. You get a bad snowstorm up there and it starts blowing. Access up in 42 is going to be so much nicer for guests to just have because it's it's all wooded. They're in the trees going through, they're not having to go any. So we're 
really looking for it just as an alternative when we don't feel that it's safe or operable for our machines to use AD. And the Dutch Creek parking is just to the north on yes. the state on the state land before the marine. It is. Yeah. Years. So can you show, share my screen again? I had to exit out of the Zoom meeting. Could you give me access? I'll I'll, I'll pull that back up again. Yeah. Yes. Just, just have access, but says my screen sharing is paused. Oh, think I did that. Yeah, so it's within, I, I mean, shooting off the hip, you're probably looking at about three quarters of a mile of, of rowing. So, like I said, you know, each each group has two guys with it. They could unload. Guy number one is with the group. They're getting the sleds ready. They're getting the lunches loaded up. They're doing the pre-talk. Guy number two, he takes the truck up. He's got his sled in the trailer, loads it off. He's in. A, he's there in seven to ten minutes. Back with the group. Trucks away. It's not going to be an issue for anybody that is going to need to be using or turning around in that proposed area. And you're able to park there just with a state pass? Yeah, yeah. As long as we're not taking clients out, as long as we're not doing anything like that, you know, we, we can park there just like anybody else that wants to storm the lot of area. Or they can go back to Steno. It depends on the day. The, the, the section of 42 from Cattle Guard West, Yes. It's groomed. Yep. Correct. Who grooms that? That would be the uh, Stonehill Club. Who? The uh, Route County Stonehill Club. So they groomed that. They had, um, Todd had, um, he didn't realize that we were proposing only a few days of use. He thought we were proposing for a full season. Right. So he had an issue with, hey, what if this is being overly run? We can't keep up the grooming. That was his concern. I did send him an email. I said, we did buy our own groomer this year. I said, we were more than happy to help out. And then I did tell him, we're only looking for a few days. And he said, okay, that makes sense. He said, let's have a conversation about it. So the group- you can solve the problem, you can just join a club too, right? Yeah, exactly. I knew the questions, yes, Jim. You mentioned at the outset, Clay, that, that uh, you'd had a permit to operate before. <clears throat> So we were we were operating under another individual's permit right. that was under uh, Alabama Ventures. Okay. And that permit was submitted to us last year for our National Forest Service permit for California parks. We needed everything in one pocket. And when we started doing investigating, when we, once we started investigating it, it turned out that that permit had actually lapsed. The uh, gentleman had not made payment on it. So we were, we're, not, we're not permitted. And but that, but had you operated under that permit when it was valid? Correct. Yes. You did. Yep. So my question then is, is there anything different in the permit requested than the permit that you operated under before? The only thing to be different is FSR 42. Okay. Everything else, clients leave, clients arrive there, amount of guides, amount of slides. I mean, it's it's almost the same permit other than this new uh, FSR 42. Thank you. Yep. And that was a special use permit. Yeah. Also. Apologies. question about you know your your comment that you only want to use the fs42 occasionally what 
and you've identified that last year you could use uh, County Road 80 up until I think you said April 1st. Pretty you much. Would have, you would have liked to have continued on till the 15th, and so did the experiment over on FS42. Um, did you happen to look and see when you would have needed it on the front end? Yeah, so the front end, you know, honestly, if there's not enough snow down low on the front end, there's usually not enough snow up high to ride. So we, we launched our season December 15th last year and snow was snow was low. I mean, we, we all can look at those record books. Snow was low on December 15th. And we, had, we, got, we made access up to our road. It was fine. It worked, it was good. Um, but, you know, going further than that, we're not going to be able to operate further than that because California Park, our mountain, it does not get the snow up high to safely operate the sleds. So the 20th is what we're going to be opening our season on. This year's the 18th, that's a Saturday. It's kind of well knitted. So on, on the early side, yeah, I mean, it, it'd be December 1st. We wanted to, if we wanted to run December 1st, it would be out of FSR 42 more than likely. But our business does not, I mean, unless it's a, if there's enough snow on eighty to run early, there's enough snow on top, and we don't need to worry about FSR 42. Well, then I guess that's my question is you're saying there is enough snow on top if you can get there on FS 42? Absolutely. Yep. That's yep, perfectly put. So with the elevation, it's it's crazy how every 500 feet on that south facing stuff changes. So you get up to California Park, our private mountains, you know, three, four miles of Cairo 80 when we start climbing an elevation. That'll be that'll be good as long as FSR 42 is. The problem is we can't get the 10 miles to that last three miles on dirt for national machines. So that's where FSR 42 comes into play. It's north facing. Pretty much that whole trail is shaded, no sunshine, north facing, a little bit higher elevation when we start. And once we get to California Park and our mountain, we've got another good two or three weeks of riding from there from when 80 goes out. So in other words, the first two weeks of December, if you could have access to FS42, and what would in effect be the last two weeks of April? I, I would say from December 15th. I mean, we're not we're not gonna operate earlier than December 15th. And just we're just not gonna go further than that um, as a company. Policy. So if, if we could have it from let's say December 15th to November or January 1st, just to be safe, and then the last two weeks of April, that's really the ball we're looking for. And is that something you you know would be viable for the company? In other words, if if this special use permit was granted with the specific date restrictions like that on the use of SF. FS42 is is that viable for the company? Yes, yeah, it is. So while you talked about it's it may be more pleasant for the clients to use FS42 if it was windy, you recognize that you could stick with 80 and um limit yeah. the use of FS42. Yeah, you know, we in season on 80 with, with the windstorm, I mean, there's two to three windstorms a year that are bad. Um, that's what it is out here. You know, we're not in the Midwest. It's two to three a year. Every year we've had two to three, and it's been wild. Yeah. It's been fine. But if we could pick and choose those two or three days in the year and go up to 42, we would. But if we couldn't, it's not a, it's not a deal breaker by okay. any means. 
And then I do have a question. There was a reference, and I'm not sure who made the reference in our packet, that there were restrooms um, on County Road 80 at the trailhead. No, there are not. Okay. So this issue of sanitation exists on either access to California Park in your trailhead. Correct. So customers are biased to use the restroom before they leave. If they need to stop on the way there, it can. We've done that before. It hasn't <laughs> ever happened. And I mean, take my word for it, no one's been popping a squat before. So it hasn't been an issue. Haven't been up there for the years that we have. They can usually hold it somebody to the cabin. It's usually about an hour from the last time that they would have had the bathroom break when they're at the next one. Any other questions? Bill, I want to piggyback off the ranch. There's going down the line of dropping uh, guys dropping sleds off at uh, the trailhead. Mm -hmm. And uh, to your knowledge, has there ever been uh, sleds dropped off there before before you be the first ones? I believe, as far as I know, we would be the first ones. Correct. Up in the house of private sleds. Yes. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's our, that's our log there was. Is of just what's what's the traffic up here? You know, we documented the amount of cars that drove by while we were there loading and unloading, but not very much today. But we documented that. Documented snow depth, how many vehicles we brought, how many slippy road, how many trucks and trailers were there. And I think the most we ever had was like three trucks and trailers out of there. And then we had days with three or four of our own trucks and trailers. And everyone had access to get out at, at the same time. Anyone that needed to come in and direct shoot into the trail with a track machine or snowmobile had access to that. There was no block of getting access in the FSR court. And then the next one, normally, got this comes in front of us, they would notify uh, uh, all the homeowners or any adjacent businesses. Mm -hmm. So that we've been in contact with all the homeowners or vice versa with you as what's going on. What you propose? Well, we just not, not not other than the letter that was sent on the proposal that we put together. Gotcha. So I thought that was kind of our way of reaching out to them. Yeah. Um, couple questions. Just how long does it take to unload the customers and sleds at the trail at either trailhead, either at the CR eighty or FS forty two? Yeah. So usually from the time that we pull into the parking lot to the time that they are butts on the sled pulling away. It's about 20 minutes. So it's about five to seven to unload. They're nice trip. It's easy. It's easy to unload in there. Really efficient. Pull in, pull them out, sit them there. Guys load them up, sit them down, have that, you know, five, 10, 15, depending on the group. You sometimes talk a little bit longer about what they need to know. And then from there, you're out riding. So typically about 25 minutes. So the numbers of documented cars going by. Let's call it a half hour on the long side that we were there when we were unloading, and let's call it a half hour on the back side when we got back. Those were our document numbers for that period of time. And the sleds, that, uh, are you familiar with the sleds that are now allowed into Yellowstone? Yes, I am. Okay. Can you, are, is that similar to what your Polaris are, or are they different? So our, our Polaris would not be allowed in Yellowstone. Okay. They wouldn't be allowed. But for you to go outside right now, I mean, to show the difference between the two, you would have a hard time telling the difference between the two or how quiet a factory 
slide is. So the average market guys, you know, half the guys are running down that FSR point two that are enthusiasts. They got nice, loud, noisy cans. They built their sled. I mean, you're here from a few miles away. When that sled stopped, I hear more of the track turning than I do the engine. That's that's how quiet these little sleds are. So comparable to a four-stroke, absolutely. And that's what's permitted in Yellowstone. Yes. Well, that's what I was wondering is right. if you were familiar and knew that. On a technicality of engines, they're not permitted, but if we're <coughs> sound decibel and a pollution test, they're gonna be similar. I'm not gonna say they're they're not, they're not similar, but they're very close. Okay. In 2022 versus even 2012. The difference in 10 years is a few months. Chris, staff, comments. Um <coughs> pretty much covered it. We um the maps that I have that we're going to show to you are basically the same maps that he had also. So I don't know if um, there's doesn't seem that there is a that I do have the map that we all were given just recently in the email with the additional letters that we received. We can pull that up if well, that's necessary. Um, I do want to update a couple of things. We spoke about about Edward 42 um, and the designation involved in that. And then all of the letters that we received, hopefully I addressed um, a lot of the concerns or the findings of significant um, impacts for that area. And that's for both of these. So those are in section, in different sections throughout the staff report. Um, section six is the, is the one we look at. It's divided out within your staff report for the finding of uh, if there are significant impacts, we did address those in that second page of that letter. So the um, the application changed just a little bit, just as Clay spoke, because originally we uh, wasn't sure if the Forest Service Road they were going to park and take the tours up and come back, or if they were going to drop off. So since um, the letter was written or the staff report was written to that effect and has changed and they will be dropping off. So they will be using that as a parking area. So that has changed. They will not. From this, no, they'll be dropping off. Right. So now let me clarify that. County Road 80, that still would be the case. So and, and part of the application too was that due to COVID concerns on County Road 80, they were going to allow clients to be able to drive up to that area park and then take the tour. Um, that will no longer happen and that's because the Northern Ridge Department did not approve that and there's a condition um, 27 I think it was to that effect. So that was a part of the original application also and that is not going to happen. Part of the comments with regard to um, visual concerns is that I responded that the tool will not be seen by the traveling public. And that was truly meant for County Road 80. That road you go up three quarters of a mile in their park. So there isn't traveling public going back and forth. But on County Road 62 at that intersection, people would see the snowmobiles. Um, 
being uploaded and leaving or coming back. But after that, the settlement doors are not leaving from any uh, from any roadways. So I wanted to clarify that also. Just didn't make that real clear in the report. So um, as Clay said, there's there's two different things here. The um, access from Cutting Road 80, which you've been referring to, it says um, primary with the backup of Cutting Road 42 as a secondary, and only be used when something happens with County Road 80, and they just cannot use that access. So, so Forest Service Road is their alternate route. Um, I did speak with um, Erica. Erica, yep. thank you. I couldn't remember her name. You got it. Um, and she, because we were some confusion on the county road, and there was also some confusion about them issuing another snowmobile permit in that area. And she just stated that there, they in the past they had had analysis of the North Valley area um, with regard to the volume of business that they. Um, made a determination of how much they can have in those areas um, to be able to permit for snowmobile course. And if one business no longer is in effect, they would be able to, like they're saying, put that out to bid for another business. So the reason that Clay was able to get um, this permit up there is because they did have another operator who was not using the days that he was allotted so those days were given up and those were turned over and they um, was, was able to get that um, was able to get that permit. So that volume of business they keep standard, they keep it pretty much the same. So there shouldn't be an increase. If there is a decrease, there's a decrease. But they have done that study, that analysis, and one of the um, letters that we see we see ask if the analysis has been done, but yes, they have. They always they have a, a plan for that area. That's what they stick to. Um, so his, his permit met that analysis. So that clarified um, some information um, with regard to that one concern that was from the from the joint property owner. They do have different snowmobile clubs in that area that are moving. They have some come from the west side from the right side. They also have them from the east side. We did receive an email today with um, regard to plowing and they wanted, um, they were concerned with quite being more involved and didn't think they could keep up if there were more snowmobilers in uh, in that section. Um, we put the two-way contact with each other so they can work that out, but truly that's on the Forest Service. Route County has nothing to do with grooming on those Forest Service permits. They will be grooming County Road 80 and the trails that they use on the private property and they will get a permit from the Road Bridge Department if this is approved. So that portion of grooming is covered through um, this permit in the end. Um, so, so. <clears throat> um, somebody asked about the easement on Forest Service Road 42 past the um, cattle guard, and that is a 30 foot easement. That is groomed also. That whole area is groomed. I think there's about over 100 miles, right. 100 and some odd miles that yep. they groom up there. I believe that's what Erica told me with the two clubs. So they're they're dispersed when they reach that California Park area. Um, 
The comments that we did receive back were from the Road Pollution Department. I have included those in the conditions of approval. Um, other than that, I think with the um, staff report, we covered everything. I think we also covered the finding of no significant impacts. And I think the map that I gave you showing the locations, I hope helped you um, to see where everything Chris, I have a question. Did you ever <clears throat> hear directly from CPW or was the analysis of wildlife impact based on the known maps that they have? Um, one, the uh, original study by CPW had not changed. So that, um, and that was on Kennedy roads because that's really what they keep doing the study. So there are different wildlife, um, for instance, the grouse were up there for winter, but it's not that critical wildlife. And that's what we really study is that critical information. Um, and they will only be traveling County Road 80 all the way up to this private property and there were no wildlife concerns on the private property. And when was that analysis last done. I'm just curious because we know wildlife changes its mind and moves. Um, and we are seeing some real serious issues with the curves. So is it a current enough analysis or should CBW consult? Um, the last update for certain animals have been there. I can't, I'm sorry, I can't answer that question. Not only do we have the wildlife maps through our department, but I can also access them online to see if I missed something. And um, hopefully I did not miss anything, but it's the critical that those elders they don't stay on those horse stove slopes. They're moving to those southern areas, so if they need to get through, or they're moving down even further in the west, um, as far as the elk are concerned. So we do check on that. Our clients would say they wish that there was more help because they haven't <laughs> seen enough in a year or so. So, can you put up the map with all the pin numbers on it? This one, can you do that? And then, while you're doing that, I know you made a comment that road bridge and comment on 42, but that's because they can't. It's four service. I'm sorry, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> four service. Road bridge didn't come on 42, but they can't. No, no it's not there. 42 is not our jurisdiction. Got it. And that's yeah. why the only thing that we're looking at in that first service road, road 42 is the finding of no significant impacts. Right. And I believe we addressed that in Now I forgot what I was doing. <laughs> you were bringing up the um, oh, yes. aerial. Okay. The, grooming, the grooming on 80 is entirely directed by Clay's operation. Correct. There, there are some individuals that do groom up their cabins, right? But that's a couple times a year. We would be the primary one to two times a week. Really. Yep. Well, it's also required by Road Bridge to so have a groom. Yeah, based on what I read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wish everyone that goes to California Park their cabins will fall. Right. <laughs> I 
mine got kind of weird too, so I don't know. They want the map this That's right. Yep. And then can you zero in on and enlarge the intersection of 62 and 42? Right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Can you uh, can you load up a bit? There, right? No, you Going up. Here, how about that? Yeah. And I, so in my head, the, the, the quote unquote parking here is that white backgrounded gravel right there. Exactly. Yes. Yep. Yep. So this is, this is referred to as R25. And it's also platted, it's for a surface road 42 on okay. the 13th. Okay. The picture I was trying to show up in our uh, California park permit that has everything platted, there actually is R25 designated on that picture I was trying to pull up earlier. So it is on our, even our permit, it's recognized. But the 900, 981 yards starts where it ends where? So this, yeah. so, She's zoom out so right here, this is referred to R25, and it's mainly because Brown County recognizes this road on their map, and they will go up and maintain that if they have the time. And so your 981 starts at the end of that. And the Forest Service Road starts there and continues up through 35 acre parcels until it gets um, California Park area. So it keeps going along here. And then, and then um, this is where the the thirty five acre subdivision was done in that area, and then National Forest starts. Okay. But Mill Creek Road is also Forest Service Road. Right? Mm -hmm. We will ride Mill Creek Road. Right. So Mill Creek is just any night. Yeah. In my head, yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Can Can you repeat that? Yeah, so we will. So 42 goes. Whoops, oh, yeah. So 42, you saw that go right. there. Mill Creek Road goes up. It's very, we both ride California Park. Our permit follows the line of 42. Okay. So we won't be on to the snowmobile. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But the 981, you're you're on the 981. Mill Creek, Forest Road. Yeah, this, Road Creek, this is the 981 that we're, that we're talking about. Yep. When, in your conversation with Erica, most of these trailheads are being overutilized and there's traffic constraints, especially in the winter time. Did she talk at all about any future plans for improvements? Because it, it's a challenging trailhead because there's not really a turnaround and most snowmobilers, I should, many snowmobilers are carrying them on trailers. Mm -hmm. Either way, any- It's more from a parking issue not a you know snowmobiling um i do not i can't answer that for the forest service we talked about 
talked about different graphics, and I do know that, um, you know, and they recognize that things are just going to continue very soon, especially as Rock County is um, developed further or we have more tourists. Uh, that is noted in our upper Elk River uh, ranking that um, they would like the Forest Service to consider that, but obviously they're at the moment. And um, yeah, that would be nice if they could associate funds to do that. Now, in this area, because there's private property on each side, this easement is 60 foot wide here, and that's private property. So I don't know if they would develop that 60 foot right away on each side and maybe create a trail, or if they, which I doubt would happen, would actually maintain it all the way up through and then create a trail. I just don't yeah. see that happen. Hopefully, Bob passes on the uh, first agenda for the last part of the Chris, was there any discussion about um, signing it for no parking? That's the stretch that we talked about. So it's one thing. Park there. Pardon me? People can park there. I know. I just wondered if you had a discussion with the Forest Service about potentially signing it for no parking. No. Um, I mean, if you wanted to park there and cross country ski, how else would you be able to do that? We have to be, it's just not snowmobile use, it's year round use. So, okay. if you would cut off all parking, I'm not sure you would be getting your use out of your forces, okay. national lands. Any other questions for the interim? If I think it's public, one additional question, Clay or maybe Chris. The homeowners, the permanent residents that live off of 42 Mill Creek, they are plowing that portion to, of that public road to their houses. No, no. it's my it's, understanding it's, they're parking below. That's, I saw that in the app. They, they park where we're holding to stage. So no one's plowing up. Once you get to that point that we marked, so yeah, once you at the once you get to here, there's no plowing day at place. It's proved. Yep, so yeah, so homes that. in that area have to sell. Good. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. At this point in time, I'd like to open it up for public comment. Um, those wishing to address the commissioners, please use the podium um, and remember to speak into the. I guess you don't need to do that. So, anyone? Sure. If you could give us our, your name, would be helpful. Right here. Right there. Closest house to who we're talking about. Um, I appreciate the fact that you guys and these are commercial ventures want to you know, have, a, have a livelihood and the guys that are here working. I appreciate all that. Uh, for commercial ventures, um, did send a letter in to Chris. Talked to her a couple of times. Talked to Mike, go to Bridge. Talked to uh, Mike Swinsick, the fine chief up here in the area. And a lot of our neighborhood neighbors in that area. There's three subdivisions in this area that we're talking about. There's the widening subdivision. There's two lots there. There's the branches of Steamboat Lake, the Kinchin, 
these guys up here west and P RP MR, and then there's Captain's Cove. There's about 40, there's 44 lots in Captain's Cove. On this side of um, the ranches, there's probably about I think three homeowners that live in that area. And again, um, not everybody lives there the whole time, of course. There's one um, house that's full time in the Whiting subdivision. Mike, he's here tonight. Um, there's several people that live, staffers, these guys, these guys. Uh, and some people have come this, this side of Captain Scope, all live there full time. I've talked to a lot of them. They are very concerned about the noise, the pollution, the sanitation, all the things that you know, uh, we don't have talked about already. And I think I, we probably got on my letter that said that 82 had restrooms. I meant that on the west side at that site that he's leasing has restrooms, which is even closer than 80. So they had restrooms over here on that side. There are no restrooms anywhere in our area over here for sanitation issues. And I appreciate the fact that people that may hold it for two or three hours, maybe they can't. I don't know. Um, and we also know that people, that local residents, or anybody that wants to in Colorado would come up here and they can park in that, that lot right there. Not, not really a lot, but that in that um, white subdivision road, the 30 feet on either side of the 60 feet or something. The road and bridge guy said that they don't want folks parking there because they turn around their, their plows there. Uh, Chris about that and also Mike. Um, so I know that they don't really want to have people parking, offloading, whatever that might take 20, 30 minutes to offload there. So there's a lot of issues there with that, along with the pollution. I, don't, I mean, I'm not a snowmobile person, so I don't understand the pollution part. I just know that there is kind of wavering, you know, you can smell it in the air when during the summer or during the winter when people are snowmobiling up there. Um, on my letter that I sent, my biggest concern was that the master plan that you guys all wrote um, states that y'all try to keep commercial ventures to a minimum around neighborhood residential areas. Um, up there in the mountains, there's like you said, there's three right there. On 80, I don't know if there's any, no one's complained about it. Um, it sounds like that they've had this permit in effect on category 80 up to that least area for how many years, I don't know. Uh, and I guess no one's complaining about it. But I think you guys got a lot of letters of complaint uh, and recommending not, not approving this from the, the folks that live in this area, even though it's a two week period, maybe on the front end of the back end. So I think y'all can see that the, neighbor, the neighborhoods in that area are not in favor of this. On, on 80, I bring my ATVs over there. So I mean, I'm, I'm an outside person, I'm an outdoors person too. So I appreciate the fact that. People write ATVs up there. We see ATVs in Grazer School Firehouse all day long in the summer. So, um, you know, we, we see this, we do it ourselves. So it's not a big issue, but, but there's not a lot of parking uh, issues in the summer along this little section right here. There's not a lot of problems parking. Um, we would just want you to consider our, our comments and the fact that your own master plan that you don't, you don't limit the amount of commercial ventures in neighborhoods or residential neighborhoods. 
like numbers three right here. Um, the other thing I had was, um, let's see, your presentation. Thank you. Very good. Very good. You did your homework and you went out and did a practice run and everything. I appreciate it. You know, we wanted to do that practice run just to see, yeah. before we even propose it, just to see if it seems it works. Even if we need it, yeah, it might have been terrible. So yeah, if that was the case, and people are walking over, what the heck's going on here? Well, you don't know, you're here, so right, right, right. Um, a, a question about the, the Yellowstone issue that you had a question about. So, on the Yellowstone permits, are they different kind of sleds or something that went on? The engines are different, so they're four stroke versus two stroke. So, so they're four stroke, you don't have two stroke. So, you can use the four stroke in Yellowstone, but you can't use the two stroke in Yellowstone. That's so right. Why is that? Um, because of the noise that they used to emit back in, I think it was like 96 when that model was put into play. The two strokes were more noise. noise. Yeah. And, like, and like I said in my presentation, you take a 2012 snowmobile, so even just 10 years ago, the difference between that 2012 snowmobile and our 2022 snowmobile compaction offers, they're night and day different. You know, I wish I could sit two in front of you right now and say pick the four stroke versus the two stroke. You'd probably be able to pick it out, but it's very difficult. Yeah. So much better than what it was. They're still loud though, believe me. When you come up and get, well, living up here in this pristine area, this is the big, this is, this is all just a big open meadow down here. And Mill Creek comes to you. In the summertime, um, you know, I can rarely hear my neighbors talking. Because it's a little bit higher here, it goes down to Mill Creek, and it kind of goes up a little bit higher. You rarely hear people talking. In the winter, you can hear people talking all day. And in these snowmobiles that come across this meadow here and go up into 42, it's definitely loud. And I don't care if you have a two-stroke, four-stroke, and you have an extra bumper, you don't have any bumpers, whatever. I've got many snowmobilers, and they say the same thing. They're very loud. And you can hear them coming and going around here a lot more. It's more accentuated in the winter than it is in the summer. Because on, on, in the summer, you can come in, when they get to 42, you don't even hear them anymore. So there's different, there's definitely inherent more in the winter. Um, and the other, the other comment from some of our other neighbors um, is that this last year or the year before, that was great, but um, up 129 to Columbine, which is a lot further the Forest Service 550 turns off and goes up into Big Red Park and all over the line, we call it. Um, they created a office of Forest Service, or I don't know if the Lord Bridge helped them build it or whatever, but they built this nice parking lot and our and bathrooms. It's great because we don't use the trailer up there and go wait to be in. We would just have to park all the way down there by 550 when it first starts in that little. Quarry up there, and then you get the ride on, you know, force five people to get up to the to go up to to Clans Peak. But now they've got this nice gravel parking lot, nicely graded bathrooms up there, and Big Red Park is just right there for open snowmobiling or whatever the heck they want to do. Now I don't know if the road talked to Mike and they said that Forest Service wanted them to plow up to that place and then they could let people park in there. Okay, so the deal y'all are going to make a master plan or make some kind of a comment on that on the master plan. But that's a good area for snowmobilers to go because there's no houses up here. 
drive up there off of Snowville to your heart's content up there in Big Red Park and on further north than that. Good uh, bother anybody in your neighborhood. So keep that in mind as you kind of work through this. And for, for the two weeks or whatever, 12 weeks maybe, it shall reduce this 42 access. Um, Caused a lot of a lot of neighborhood residents in our area some grief. We're grief on eight. So uh, thank you very much for listening to my comments. Thank you for your consideration and we hope that you disapprove this at least the 42 part. I mean the 80 part, we love it. Go through the 80, but leave the 42 part um, alone. Thank you, ma'am. Next, please. Hi, my name is Ben Cooch. Um, I'm property owner right here in Catherine's uh, I'm concerned about this. I work from home. And uh, I also know that uh, the property owner right here, she also works from home. And this trailhead is within about 1,500 feet of both our houses. So um, we're concerned that this could affect our livelihood. Um, additionally, um, we couldn't find any information. Does the county have any quantifiable data about how many snowmobiles are already impacted in this area? Master plan, land use plan pointing to conflicts among stakeholders already present as early as 15 years ago and population and tourism expansion experience since then. But the area, the county, um, the county proved that there's not going to be a negative impact to this. Um, so, with the two-stroke snowmobiles, um, I know Yellowstone shut, shut that down because of both noise and pollution. Um, is that also going to affect the area? I do understand that everybody wants to make a living, so I'm just opposed to the 42 section. Thank you, sir. Next, please. Seeing none, I'm going to close the uh, public comment portion of the scene. Uh, just a second. This sure. is uh, this is Dale Kinchin. I'm, I'm sorry, Dale. I'd like to say a few words. Uh, if you hang tight for just, I think, a minute or two. We had the wrong screen up, so I don't know that I knew. Uh, we didn't have standards, but that's okay. Okay. Probably not on this. The cloud that we're all going to go. Go ahead, Dan. Hello. You may talk. Go ahead, please. Okay. Well, I'm Dale Kinchin. We own property on what is R25 Mill Creek Road in the ranches there. Uh, there are some misconceptions. I have been plowing that road during the winter for the last 34 years. Now it's not plowed all the time, but I'll plow it from Thanksgiving on through the holidays and as long as I can. But the uh, 
groomer comes to there and ends up packing it pretty good. I'm a member of that snow club. I'm fine with the groomer going through there, but at, at some point in the winter, it can become impossible to clean out. Now our neighbors to the west, Paley's, did plow that road all last winter until the very spring. They probably gave up in March. Uh, the other uh, members on that road, West, Larry uh, Klingman and Joella West have also had that road plowed in the past. Now, when I'm plowing that road with a tractor and a snowblower, over the years, I've had snowmobiles run right up behind me with the blower and expect me to get out of the way. And it's not only been private people, but it's also been tours that have done that. Uh, it presents a problem, of course, once we open the road up, we are gonna be driving on it to get to our homes as well. So uh, I think uh, there's not enough parking area down there to allow this permit to go forward. And if we don't clean the road out, of course, when we come up, we live in Littleton, we appreciate the place to park and it, and it has been plowed out since 19, 86 is it's been a turnaround for the uh for the road grader but uh, i would like you to consider that the noise is always an issue there are probably on some days weekends there can be as many as 100 snowmobiles go up that road sanitation has been a problem in the past there has been uh, defecations down in the parking lot and things like that, but uh, those are my comments. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, Christy, is there anybody else on the... Uh, there is not. Sure. Uh, the other uh, folks that are on are consultants. Ah, okay. So now I can close it. Yes. Um, Chris, are there any, there's, there are no conditions, <clears throat> specific conditions that talk about parking. Am I thinking correctly? Well, I understand that, but I think I've heard from the petition already that there is no intent of parking there at all, period. Correct. So that could be a condition, regardless of who's really good. Well, you were saying because we don't have the jurisdiction. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure we could do that. Sorry, do anything you want, just probably. Yeah, right. So I didn't just think I understand your question. And we have the parking for 80. Yeah, no, that actually. But that is a four service road. It's just a designated number road. Steve, I'm not sure I can answer that question right now. We have the authority to do that. I can follow up with that. Well, we could do another way. It's already part of the minutes, if I'm thinking correctly. And I could, I could do research on that to find out if it's pretty set and ready to update to that. 
Yeah, right. Sure. I just mean, based on all the considerations in the letters, principally, it always strikes me that the whole issue floats around parking on that forest service section. The petitioners already agreed, I'm not doing that. Right. So now what we're dealing with is sleds that are going to come from, well, no, he's going to leave, drop them off there. Uh, and then the trucks go back to the marina or wherever. So parking really isn't an issue in my head. Well, for 20 minutes. Sure. Yeah, not as it's not as it's presented because they will not stay there parking. It's not right. continued parking. It's right. Right. Uh, a drop off. I guess That's loading and unloading. Yes. Yeah. And then the other thing that um, I thought Linda maybe was going in a direction. Perhaps she cared to focus on condition. Let's see, 17 maybe. You're talking about 17 or 28? Well, one is general operating hours, I think. Which is that's kind of where I was heading more so. And it's also 28 operations shall be limited from December 1st to April 1st. Um, I guess what I would would propose that the condition would be is that. Um, as to the use of FS 42, if I understand the petitioner's position, I wrote down, he said if they could have access to it if needed from December 15th to January 1st, and then again, what I believe it was the last two weeks of April. Yeah, or the first two weeks, the first two weeks of April. To first two weeks of April. So from April 1st to the 15th, that he could live with, that would give him an option. The option to use it, he wouldn't have to use it. I would see it as a, a, a condition that those are the only two times he could use it. Correct. And that I would be comfortable with to make that uh, either in 17 or 28 or 28. Well, I think 28, I would leave alone because we're going to come back to that in a minute. Um, okay. I think 17 is where it belongs. I see that now too, because operations in 28, it will need to be operations. Well, it may need modification, but 17 is the hours and dates. And so, um, it sounds like as to 80, it's fine, County Road 80. But we, I would recommend that FS 40, Road 42 I, I, would have a two two-week blocks. I think at the risk of helping Chris along, if you read 17, shall be eight to five, seven days a week, stop at December 1st, May 1st, on and now I would scratch out course to this room 80. Blah, 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 blah. So you get to county route 80. Then I would add. Okay, try it again. Hours of operation shall be 8 a.m. to 5 o'clock p.m., seven days per week, December 1st through May 1st on county route 80. See what I'm saying? Okay. And actually, Steve cannot be May 1st because Road and Bridge wants them to end April 1st. Exactly. So Sorry about it, that. Yep. It would be for 80, it would be December 1st to April 1st. Now, 
the second sentence. Um, and to clarify that a little bit, the road and bridge stated that if they wanted to continue on, they could review that, maybe grant them approval if there is. Um, We're going to come back to that. Okay. That's 28. So that's 28. That's, 20, yeah, that's number 28. And I, I guess. So if we change that to April 1st on Head Road 80, that doesn't give them the opportunity to open up until May. Doubt that would ever happen because of the area, but um, say it again, so well, on December 1st to April 1st, if we put that in there, um, that limits them to April 1st, but it says that if the operator plans to operate past April 1st, it must be approved by the road bridge. But if you are limiting them to April 1st, they don't have the opportunity. Unless I said notwithstanding the provisions of 28. And put that in the condition yeah. or just leave it as made. I'd rather have it in the conditions. Yeah. Pardon? I'd have I'd rather have it in your notwithstanding. Okay. But then I still don't think we're quite done. Okay. Correct. Linda, you can go now. I think that I wrote 80. What we you've just and I well I was just going to go forward. Then the yeah. next sentence and then the would next be, part would be uh, FS Road 42 um, hours of operation eight to five seven days per week uh, December 15th to January 1st. Don't even do that. Just start a whole new sentence. FS 42 operations on FS 42 will be limited to the time period December 15th to January 1. And April 1st, April 15th, exclusive period. And do we need to reiterate the hours of operation or not? I don't know. Before you go there, I have one question. Is, are there any additional um, permits that are using FSR 42s? Roadhouse, any, you know, go, is anyone else going in and out of California Park on 42? I don't believe so. Because that's the reason that we were able to get access to California Park. Because we are, if they have, you know, they, it is one of those things where if they have it, they just have to use it. Because there's no one out there in California Park. That's why we have those permits that Chris mentioned earlier that were allowed, that were allocated to us to operate there. Okay. I mean, you'll always private. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying, trying to understand. Yes, the yeah. amount of impact. And we can't control the public impact, which unfortunately for the homeowners up there sounds like it's substantial. So mm -hmm. uh, this is Dale. May I make a, uh, a comment? Public comment portion have been closed. I'm sorry. Well, you, you made a statement that there's no parking going on at the parking lot or the turnaround there. But it's my understanding from what he said earlier that the clients are going to park their, their vehicles when they drive up to get on the snowmobiles. I don't believe that's true. That's not true. Um, go ahead, Glenn, respond. Yeah, no, no customer parking. So, Chris, can you blow up? So, so what yeah. you're saying here is to April, to April 1st or April 30th, 
from April 1st to the 15th of April, their special use permit would allow them to use FS Road 42. Okay, so just so the first sentence, 17, uh, seven days per week, December 1st through to delete May. Yes. No, I, I think it needs to be through April 1st. Right, she's deleting May 1. Mm. Now it goes April 1. Okay. I'm okay, sorry, so I had a hard time saying I thought. April 1st on Ken Road 80 is what you're saying. Yep. With obviously weather and road conditions permitted. Period. Now you got a new sentence that goes in, and that's Linda's sentence. But you want to do there notwithstanding County Road 27? Correct. Yes. Condition 27. Oh, sorry. 28, but 28. Or whatever. Oh, is it 28? That's the one that talks about road and bridge has to give information. Okay, thank you. Okay, then you want to period there, correct? Yep. And then uh, December 15 to what was the date? January 1. January 1. I would start out with though that FS 42. Okay. Access or use of FS will be restricted to. Right, Linda? That's, yeah, that's what I thought made sense. Are the space going to be inclusive? Hmm? You want them to be inclusive? In other I mean, words, does is it, is it include January 1st? I assume that's correct, but I think it just would be in the record if you're going to do that. I would ask Clay because he knows what his business needs for that. Yeah, I mean, like, it just April 1st be the first allowable day, April 15th be the last allowable day. So and what about the December? Yeah, you say December 15th and then the January. We'll keep it simple. Okay. 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 Was it December 1st through May 1st or something? Yes, correct. Right. Yeah. Why don't you leave that on the 80? That way, if the road conditions are good and there is good weather, you can just stay on that side. We will, yeah. But that, not the way it's written here. They said May 1st. So the, the reason is they, the, they just covered this. If they just said, yeah, go ahead. The reason is the Forest Service or the Road and Bridge has to give permission after April 1st. That's uh, yeah, why. Yeah, so that's why we're proposing this FSR 42. Is because as of this permit sits right now approved April 1st, we're done. I have to ask for permission to go to bridge. And if they say no, sorry, well, those two weeks of clients that are booked, they're done. They're going on their own. So that's where this kind of backup plan, we know FSR 42 is going to be good in those days. That's why this was proposed. I don't well, I make the same comment then, same comment about weather and road conditions permitting on the board here also. That will be edited. Yeah. We're not taking that out. How do we control that? It's poor service. So, good, good service. So, take that closer. 
How is the operation shop leaving 80 a.m. to 5 p.m. seven days per week, December 1st um, to April 1st? Notwithstanding COA number 28. Forest Service Road 42 operations from December 15th to January 15th. January 1st. Oh, January 1st, I'm sorry. Is, is that covered? Is there more? Um, yeah. I really kind of wanted with weather and road conditions permitting. Is it April? FS Road 42 has two two week periods, December 15th to January 1st, April 1st to April 15th. Yeah, I didn't want you to. Um, um, the sentence that ends County Road 80. Notwithstanding County Road uh, COA 28, comma, and with weather and road conditions permitting. Make sense? Does that sound correct? I can't see it. Is there some way you can? Do you want me to read that to you? So sure. Hours of operation shall be 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Seven days per week, December 1st through April 1st, January 8th, notwithstanding uh, COA number 28, and with weather conditions, with weather and road conditions permitting. Forest Service Road 42 operations are from December 15th to January 1st, and April 1st through April 15th. The tours will be limited to get two per day with Mexico assisting clients. It doesn't change. Two guys. Yep. Linda? Other comments, Steve? Absolutely. So I believe 20 condition 27 needs to be updated with no customer parking at FSR 42. I would agree with that. Yep. Perfect. Good call. But now we're back to the same thing. We can't really legislate that. Well, I want to keep the people there happy. So let's just, uh, I mean, you can say it. I mean, that's fine. Okay. Public right. That that is yeah, that is true. I mean, I don't know that's a good point. Okay, that's a good point. Any other comments? 
Special use permit, uh, subject to general commissions uh, 1 to 12 and special commissions 13 to 29 as amended in the recent discussions. There's a second. second. Thank you, Brian. Discussion on the motion of PO 21 155 is moved by Jim. Hearing none, um, all those in favor of the motion. Please signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed, yes. <clears throat> say no. Chair votes yes. Motion is carried. Thank you for your presentation. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. So I have a question. So, so is this a commissioner's meeting? Or no, no. The next shot would be the Board of County Commissioners. So you guys are just the planning commission. Yeah. Yep. We are just the planning commission. Like so y'all are just approving it at the they're making a recommendation yeah. for yes. I don't have, is there a date for BCC on this? Yes, October 26th. Where did I see that? 26th October 28th is my 28th. There you go. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Thank you very much. Thank you. We're doing administrative matters. You're more than welcome to stay, although I think you're going to find it rather. <laughs> Or we'll be nearly as excited. We're up here in this evening. Appreciate it. So you guys are going to talk about the about the master plan. We are. Well, yes and no. Christy's going to give us kind of a rundown. For the open houses that are starting next week. Yeah, that's why I'm going to I'm yeah. um, We all get tired eventually. Yeah, you should make that. I need because Monday. I say that no, because Tuesday. the master plan, y'all don't even talk about the master plan. We talk about the effect on the impact on service and the master plan says it encourages recreational activity that's part of the county up there. No, no, I understand that, but not in neighborhoods, not in neighborhoods, residential neighborhoods. The argument will probably get to be is that really residential. It's called mountain residential. MREs? Huh? MRE, you mean? The zoning? Yeah. For Captain's Cove. Yeah, I think in the ranch too, but fine.
we have our consultants for the master plan, our project team on the line. Um, oh, there they are. There's Keith. Oh. Dave, and we got Heather. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're on to our next item. We're talking about the, the master plan, right? We are. So, instead of staying in Valerie Miller, think about final one question. Is this going to be in the minutes or something when these all these uh, tell all whatever we're going to be? Yeah, if you want to sit in, we're going to bring us to talk about it. We'd love to stay. But I can also tell you if you go to the Clark store, there's two big posters. Okay, so that so we can go ahead and do it up there. Just Absolutely. Go ahead and go. Okay, sure. Uh, North Drive is next Tuesday, yeah. 5 30 to 8. You got it. At the Glen Eden. Yeah, all right. Okay, thanks a lot. No problem. All right. Good job. <laughs> I got to stay done. <laughs> um, so we are going to inform you all about um, what the outreach will look like um, over the next week. You've been updated in the emails. Um, we have a short little presentation that um, Keita or Dave, I don't know if you're going to bring that up or if you need to. Yeah, if we could share the screen, I can, I can do that. Perfect. Um, you should have the. Yep, there you go. There you go. Great. Christy, do you want me to run with it? Uh, yeah, you want to. Okay. Just... Oh, okay, great. Good evening, Mr. Chairman, members of the commission. Thank you very much for your time tonight. Uh, as Christy mentioned, we just have a very short uh, warm up presentation. We really want to spend some time just getting your thoughts on the master plan process. And uh, we're looking forward to getting into next week's big event. So Heather's on the call to, to uh, kind of uh, describe a little bit more in detail what we anticipate happening next week. So with me uh, tonight, first of all, my name is Keith Walzak, and I'm with Cushing Terrell. Uh, we are contracted with the county to lead the master plan effort. And with me is uh, Dave Dixon. Dave is our lead land use planner. Uh, got a tremendous amount of experience working at the county level in different parts of the West, Montana and Colorado. And then also Heather Henry, who is with the Connect One Design. Heather is leading our uh, community engagement outreach program uh, in, in collaboration with, uh, with Cushing Terrell as well. Just a quick note, we also have other people behind the scenes uh, as well, team members that are supporting the three of us uh, within our two firms, but also we have uh, economics uh, planning systems, EPS, which is a Subconsultant to us that uh, does market analysis, uh, socioeconomics, market real estate assessments. So they'll be working with us throughout the master plan process as well. And then also Fair and Peers, uh, transportation planning firm. Both EPS and Fair and Peers are based in Denver. Um, they're very familiar with your county and they're looking forward to getting started as well. So I think we have the right team members to get, uh, get going on the master plan process. And we're really looking forward to working with you all. So tonight, uh, very quickly, we'll just hit on the, a few topical items here. We just really wanna uh, provide an overview of the project approach, the master plan pro uh, approach that we've designed for the planning effort going forward. As I say, Heather, we'll talk about the community engagement program itself. We've got a number of uh, layers of, of the cake, if you will, the, the different components of how we're gonna plan on reaching out to the community members throughout the entire county. And then we want to just uh, summarize with clarifying next steps and then open it up for a discussion with you all to talk about, get your feedback on what you think the key issues are that we're 
facing in the next 10 years in, in Route County? And what may be some of the key policy issues that we need to kind of think about as we start in the planning process? So we want to open it up for discussion with you all at that point. Just uh, real quickly, back on uh, the 27th of August, we met with the, as a part of a joint discussion with the uh, Board of County Commissioners and some of the Planning Commissioner members there. Some of you were in attendance at that, at that meeting. And one of the questions that we asked at that particular meeting was, at the end of the day, after 12 months, and we look back on this planning process, what do we believe the measures of success might be? What are the things that we should be thinking about now as we're going through the planning process? And when we look back, that we, we can definitively say, yes, we, we were able to achieve that with success. And there were a number of things that were talked about on the 27th, but one, three big takeaways for us was, number one, this is a community-based plan. Uh, it's not just a master plan that's uh, centric about uh, the Steamboat Springs area. It really needs to be addressing all parts of the county and all community members, whether it's unincorporated towns, rural areas, uh, the, the agenda item you just had just moments ago was illustrative of uh, how important it is to think about how do we reach out to all those community members equally so that we get their voices and we're developing a plan going forward that represents the entire county, the co is a community-based plan. Another item that was talked about was the need to bring back a joint executive committee uh, that was uh, in place during the first two phases of the master plan process before <clears throat> Cushing Terrell came on board and bringing uh, those folks back, I think it's uh, thought of, uh, of having one commissioner, board of commissioner, one uh, planning commissioner, and then staff, Christy, uh, and others, uh, to serve as a kind of a, a, a group that can kind of watch over the process from an yet another perspective, and how important it was to make sure that the planning commission and the board of county commissioners are aligned throughout the master planning process. That was a big takeaway a couple of weeks ago. And then thirdly, building off the initial outreach effort. So technically we're in what we're calling uh, phase four, which is the master plan effort, but phase one and two was pretty significant outreach efforts uh, by Christy and the entire county reaching out to folks. And there was a lot of information that was discovered at that, at that phase. We wanna build off of that outreach effort, uh, but then we also wanna to try to understand what went well with that process. What do we need to re keep uh, refining and apply that same thinking to the master plan itself with your older outdated master plan, what, what did work, what is working well, and what are the items that maybe need to be uh, focused on and, and revisited in more detail. So we wanna really build off of those, those uh, past efforts. And there were a number of other things that were brought up, but these were big takeaways for us. So real quickly, our approach, again, uh, the, the, the initial research that you've all done, there's some key themes here, focus areas. Uh, certainly protecting open lands, rural lifestyle. Well, you can take that first bullet and you can go down to the bottom bullet, recreation and tourism. And that's basically what you were just talking about in your last agenda item. You know, the trade-offs between uh, protecting rural lifestyles, open lands, recreation, tourism, the environment. So these things are all really important to you all. We know that for a fact. Um, and as well, mobility and the environment and housing diversity. So these, these themes have come up pretty regularly. In fact, when we had a leadership summit uh, in, uh, getting my dates mixed up, uh, I think it was August 27th. I get my dates mixed up here. No, excuse me, September 13th. This is what happens to, to me. Um, these themes were brought up again in the leadership summit. So we do believe we're on the right course, 
But if you know of other themes that are important that you want to talk about, we want to listen and hear what your thoughts are. Again, our plan strategy is build off the previous work, create a process that works for everyone, leverage the resources, uh, both the consulting team, uh, the, the county staff, Christie's staff, but also a technical advisory committee that has been developed as a part of the master plan. You all, you all are a critically important resource to the process as well. So we wanna leverage all these great resources and then engage all community members uh, in the process. So real quickly, we just organized the, 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 the plan process in these sort of five or, five or six sort of steps. We've had an initial two month kickoff process. We're in this in, intense information gathering process. Uh, as we go into the public engagement processes next week, we're gonna continue to gather that information. We'll eventually start to fold that into key recommendations that will start to evolve into policies, draft policies, and we'll bring that to you as part of the draft plan. And then we'll go through the plan approval process, uh, hopefully in March, April, and May of, of 2022. Heather, do you wanna pick up the uh, outreach effort? Yeah, happy to. Um, so, uh, you know, the rubber meets the road when we talk about this being a community plan, um, you know, and how to go out to the community and get to all corners of the county um, and figure out what uh, people are really looking for and, and what they want. Um, not necessarily out of this plan, but out of the place that they live, right? Um, so that's how we connect at least to the general public. So on the small graphic on the left, um, this talks a little bit about uh, this roadmap really for community outreach. Um, again, looking backwards, starting with our kickoff meeting, the leadership summit um, had our uh, planning commission and BCC combine. Um, and then in the next, pretty much starting next and for the next month to six weeks, we have a very intensive period of time where we're doing both our community open houses as well as our survey, um, as well as some of these other tools. So individual, you notice kind of in this blow-up, right? We have municipal meetings, individual focus group interviews, etc. So all of these things are really happening in this very intensive period right now. That's this input phase then we kind of going away and you saw how that ties back in a little bit to what Keith was talking about. We start drafting um, some of the early pieces uh, of the plan based on, on this period of time in the next four to six weeks. So next week we have our um, community area open house events. So there are four events happening in three days, um, Tuesday evening, Wednesday lunchtime and evening and Thursday evening. So the audience for each of these steps is a little different. Um, for the community area open house events, it's very much the general public. Um, and then corresponding with the open house is the online um, community survey as well. So many of those questions somewhat mirror each other. Um, so we're gathering some of the same information, right? As we're able to bring this data back out, we, we start to see very similar um, themes because we've been asking very similar questions. One of the key pieces of this, the online survey, the community um, open house events, is we're basically getting to take all of the previous information that was gathered both in the previous survey, our leadership summit, the meetings we've had to date, our kickoffs, um, other efforts that have been underway. So you think about the um, climate action plan, um, hazard mitigation plan. So what we're able to do starting next week with the survey is we're picking right up with 
already theme statements. So when we have these focus areas thinking about, um, as Keith said, this subject matter that you guys have just heard before you in a public meeting, um, you know, what's what in terms of a theme, when the public gives input, does recreation rise above conservation lands? Does conservation rise above recreation? You know, really starting to actually dive into those areas with these theme statements to better understand what does rural lifestyle really mean? When someone says traffic or growth, how's it really affecting them? Um, so that you can actually kind of peel away some of the layers of the onion. So that's been really great to be able to pick up this ball and kind of run with it. And then you can see these other pieces. The municipal meetings has an audience that focuses more on actually going to those municipalities, to staff, to the elected officials, to those planning commissions. Individual and focus group interviews uh, really hone in on some, some um, subject matter experts. We bring those folks together in focus groups. Individual interviews also include going out to certain landowners, um, maybe other critical companies, uh, say utility providers, things like that, and, and really kind of diving deeper in a, in a very focused way. Uh, and then throughout this process, you'll see our TAC meetings. So we happen to have this morning our uh, Technical Advisory Committee kickoff, uh, which was fantastic. So it was just an introduction this morning, kind of teeing those guys up for the, the work that they're going to do over the next um, six months or so, meeting with us pretty much monthly um, and really being exactly what it sounds like, a technical advisory committee. So things will be really bounced off of that group and vetted and honed a little bit and then coming to you all and coming to uh, the BCC as well. I think we can go to the next one. Yeah, this is really just a summary of everything that Heather just described. I just focus a little bit more on the technical advisory committee down on the bottom. Um, as Heather said, we're gonna meet with this group monthly and we've designed a process where we uh, nibble away at key topic areas, one topic or several topics within a time frame at a time. So we envision the next technical advisory committee meeting really diving into land uses. What are the land uses in the county now? What do population growth projections look like based on census tract data and DOLA projections? What are the housing and jobs markets starting to look like and what will they look like? and then tying all that into mobility. So that's a lot to talk about in one technical advisory committee, but the key is we wanna start talking about land uses and mobility, transportation concurrently, because they're interrelated, right? So when we start thinking about where future growth might go, we have to also start thinking about, well, how do we you know, provide the roads and services to support those, those mobility needs? Then the following next month, we'll have another set of topics. It could be about agricultural lands, uh, conservation, uh, open space. Um, the following month after that, we want to maybe talk about recreation and tourism. The following month after that, we, we might talk about climate action plan and hazards and mitigation. And then ultimately, we're taking all that information and we're building a storyline of information and we'll then be able to provide in the fifth TAC meeting a series of recommendations that will fold us right into the next step, which is implementation strategies and a draft plan. So there is some method to this madness as we've laid this out for the TAC and with you as we touch base with you on a more frequent basis. I'd be happy to answer any more questions about that. We do have more detailed schedules that we can get into, but we wanted to keep it at a high level for this evening's discussion. Heather? Here you are. Uh, Hello. Heather, the chair has a question for you. Fire away. 
So Roberta and I are going to show up at the Glen Eden on Tuesday the 12th. What are we going to see? Uh, that's a great question. So uh, we are doing these community area open house events uh, just as it sounds. So they're an open house style. Um, so you are essentially greeted at the door with a sign in. Um, your greeter orients you a little bit to what you're going to see in the room and maybe kind of how to circulate the room. So the way we usually lay these out is um, kind of a station layout. We even number those. So you're flowing through the room and kind of visiting each of our stations. Um, we start by gathering demographics. So everybody that enters uh, puts a pin for their age and where they live, um, part-time um, or uh, seasonal or full-time resident. So some of those demographics, we keep that pretty simple. We have a storytelling station. So um, we've done this at, at various events and we've been doing it so far um, with this a master plan. Um, some postcards went to, you know, the fairgrounds when the fair was happening, things like that. So the storytelling is just kind of a little bit of a warm up in a way. There's a postcard you fill out um, and just some of the easy information, you know, in a few words, how would you describe Route County, some of those things. Uh, we have an informational station about the master plan. So we have found that a lot of people show up and um, at the end, at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, they don't really quite know what a master plan is. Um, so we have a station that has a little bit of background to just what the master plan is, when the last one happened, um, some of the um, changes in the county. So what's the growth been like and things like that. And then on that station is where we're also asking a bit about this sense of like, um, so what we got from the planning commission in the BCC was, um, you know, what has worked in the previous master plan? We you can't really ask that of the general community. Like they don't, they don't really connect that. So in that station, we're asking in a bit more like, you know, how have changes in the county affected you for better or worse? Um, things like that. So we're going to kind of ask it in a much simpler, more connected way where they can sort of say, well, personally, here's what I've seen or here's what I've felt, that kind of thing. Um, and then we move on from there to really the um, substance of this is a whole series of boards around these theme statements. So we've broken down um, all the information to date that was gathered in previous surveys uh, into, um, I think it's six boards with a whole series of theme statements. And what the community is going to be doing at that point is they're given um, essentially three dots and they have to go to each of those boards and they have to decide out of anywhere between maybe five and 10 theme statements, you know, what are the top three for them personally? And what this is starting to do is, you know, it's not that the rest of the themes fall out of the master plan and they're never to be spoken of again, but you can imagine you get this community input and we have seven boards and maybe they have eight themes each, right? So here are these 56 things that could end up in your master plan. You really have to have a sense of you know, where does the critical component um, and, and as you build strategies and you have to prioritize, what does the community think? What, what are some of the most important things to them? So that's a lot of what's gonna be happening there. And then they, uh, you'll leave through an exit station and receive a postcard um, so that you can go online and also take the survey. Um, we've, we've always done this in the past when you're not trying to do a statistically valid survey 
and you're really just looking to get as much data as possible, our survey will differ a little bit. So we ask people to, they're, they're welcome to leave the open house and also take the survey and then spread the word to people that haven't been able to attend an open house um, to take the online survey. So that'll be what it looks like. Um, and you're gonna be able to, because we're doing these in different areas of the community, there are some boards that focus on kind of community-wide input and then also narrow in a little bit on, um, you know, here, here's the one you're attending in West, West Route, let's say in Hayden. Um, what are some things, if, if you live here, what are some things that really concern you about this particular area? Nice. There's also gonna be a station for someone to take care of, I guess, overlook if you oh, bring yeah. Yeah. young children to the event. Yep. So we want yep. it to be an all age invite, right? But if yep. there's little ones coming, uh, we will have an opportunity for them to go, go over and play with crayons and things like that. But this shouldn't just be an adult only sort of event. We want it to be all ages. So if you know of people that are interested or curious and there's young adults, uh, please invite them to be part of this as well. Yep, there's a great kids' corner. That's right. Thanks, kids', kids corner. I can't believe yeah. I forgot that. That's yeah. the most fun part of the whole thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so that is um, an overview. It's uh, a little repetitive to some of you that um, were at the joint meeting, but you know this definitely dives in a little bit deeper of what you can expect next week um, and, and the path forward. Um, Steve and I had our first executive um, committee meeting today, and that was myself, him, Beth Melton, county commissioner, and Jake Harrington, our new county manager. It was a really great meeting. Um, you know, one of the big takeaways from that meeting um, was about um, expectations and, and really, um, you know, really trying to ensure that we have a broad stretch of community input, um, which echoes a lot of what we've heard from you all, um, as well as making sure that, you know, we, we have heard all of the theme statements, you know, over and over, you know, for the past two years, right? And we really want to now leverage off that and really dive into those harder sticky topics you know, um, the ones that are going to be the hard decisions, you know, when we're talking West Steamboat development there, or when we're talking about, you know, traffic or, you know, wildfires and water, definitely water, 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 I think we can all agree with. Uh, we also had our TAC meeting this morning and, um, you know, we have a really good set of individuals there uh, to help inform this process and make recommendations. A lot of them are made up by county department heads um, and experts in the community um, that represent um, or have an emphasis on all of those recurring themes that we have seen. So for example, Todd Hagenboo from the extension office, you know, bringing, you know, the ad and the historical component uh, to the table. We have Todd Carr, a building official. Um, we have Jason Peasley from the housing authority. Can you go through that full list on the Absolutely, tab? yeah, absolutely, yeah, so. Um, We'll provide that to you. We're going to be providing um, an update um, on, you know, the meetings that we've been having and these milestones to you. Um, and so uh, I will pass that along and provide you that entire list. 
um, in your agenda was more of the overview and intent of TAC, as well as knowing that we intend to, when we dive deeper into these conversations, for example, when we're talking about recreation, one of those focus groups will be the route recreation roundtable, for example, or when we're talking about ag, we're going to be talking to the community ag alliance. Uh, so there are numerous groups that have areas of expertise, and that's part of those focus groups as well. Uh, we are um, expected to formalize that list of who those focus groups are and individual stakeholder interviews uh, would be. Uh, so we have been communicating back and forth, and we're going to be um, actually confirming that list, so we'll share that with you as well. And, and I can actually share what we, what we have so far to see if you guys have any input or groups that you think that you, know, you would like to hear from and make sure that they're on that list as well. Water. <laughs> Water. Uh, go ahead. Water. Uh, how, how are these community meetings being advertised? Um, so, Heather, if you want to jump in on that, but I can just do the highlight. I mean, we have um, a mailing list of over 500 people uh, that we have coordinated with our PIO for the county and other PIOs um, and networked with them to really have this be a robust list. So um, if you are getting the newsletters, because everybody has everybody received and signed up. So that is the same uh, form that we are using to send out uh, all updates. So the community update that way. It's updated on our website, the Navigate Your Route website, as well as the radio. There's been advertisements in English and Spanish, right? Uh, uh, we'll be in Spanish, yes. Yep, they should start running tomorrow, according to Brian. Okay, uh, they've been in the paper, um, Facebook and all our social media platforms and then flyers put up around town. Did you see this one? No, it was really clear to me today that um, these tourism and recreation issues and their interface with residential, there needs to be a way to really fold in a planning process with Forest Service. I'm not sure if that's going to be part of this process or not, but it's a separate thing. But um, this, this whole discussion today would have gone away if there was a parking lot inside the Forest Service. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this obviously, as we all know, has been an issue for quite some time, and it's only getting worse with more we grow and yeah. more the cat's out of the bag. Of, you know. No. Exactly. And that was one of the reasons why they formulated the recreation roundtable. And there are um, different entities all coming to the table all at once. So you have a lot of representatives from the public land side of things, um, you know, the county of the city. Um, so they'll be really great to talk with them as we're talking about recreation. Um, right now, what we do have in place is, and what we saw today is, uh, offsite impacts, and that's really what we have to review. And it is a small scope, but you know, to your point, this is a growing issue, and there needs to be more collaboration on how we are reviewing um, some of these impacts um, we're seeing at trailheads, and making sure we have enough parking, and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, definitely, this is on our radar that um, the discussion we need to dive in deeper to. But it seems to me that the petitioner did a reasonably decent job of mitigating 
to offset the risk. I mean, from a staff standpoint, we thought so, but ultimately you guys well, agree with that and made a recommendation for approval. Right. Um, but I, I would agree with that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, someone was thinking. Mm -hmm. Never mind. <laughs> well, I, I have played with snowmobile traffic up there. It's got to get a lot worse. How do you fix that? It's like the snowmobile mecca of the country. I know how to fix it, I'm just telling you. Go by my house. I mean, I could think of one way to fix it. You minimize, no, you, you actually, um, uh, yeah, you, you actually minimize or you at least, you, it's a finite number of operating permits. That's correct. And I'm not talking, I'm talking about individual machines. Yes. I that covers the right. privates and public. Right. And that's what you do. Or, per, or a certain number of permits maybe that can be used per day. Or per exactly. Right. I mean, is it any different than you can't, any, you can no longer wake up one morning and decide you're going to hike up to Emerald Lake? What's the by that zero? Thank you. Well, you can. You can make a reservation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how you, you make it. You have a reservation to go into Rocky Mountain National Park now. Right. Well, yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's the is, answer. Yeah. Yes. And that yes. is what's it's, 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 it's a simple answer. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've wondered, and you guys live up at North Road, just the concept we have on Rabbiter's Pass. One side is for snowmobiles, and the other side is for. Uh, non-motorized, yeah, right. and Cross I don't know if there's any divisible area there that I, that would seem to me to help a little. The, That'd be pretty tough, I think. Is it tough? Yeah, up there? Everybody's more diversely spread out as far as yeah, the rest. Yeah, I think. Randy, so. yeah. it looks like he has something else to say. I just while we have these kind people, any what else is on the agenda for for this particular item? Um, I think that pretty much covers it. We plan to check in with all of you, um, you know, uh, monthly, if not more, depending on what we have. Um, obviously, Steve and I will be updating you um, and then providing you some uh, reports so you can, you know, follow the process and just make sure we are keeping you all informed. What is your thought, Pushing Terrell's thought? Obviously, we're going to try and attend at least have a commission planning commission member at these community meetings. Would you like us to attend, for instance, the focus meetings, or is that needed? Would you like, I mean, if there's one that we think, oh, I want to hear what Community Agriculture Alliance has to say, can we be there? What is your feeling about that? Do you want to jump in on that or would you like? Um, yeah, I mean, so certainly the open houses, like absolutely. Um, and and also you guys are a key conduit to helping spread the word. So hopefully you've, you know, already been kind of mailing some of that out to, to all of your um, friends, coworkers, et cetera, relatives. Um, the focus groups, um, I mean, I would say uh, if, once we circulate what that list is and who we have for some of the subject matter experts, I think if there's one that you guys, you described it pretty well, right? I, I'd really, I either have expertise in water or, you know, it's a place where I really want to join, either learn more or contribute more, et cetera. I think connecting with Christy, those are going to be like personal invites. So um, if you guys can be kind of proactive in saying that's an area we, we want to join because we need to make sure you're on that list to get those 
organized, we'll probably do them via doodle poll or you know that kind of thing. So you need to make sure you're on that list. Um, individual interviews obviously will be conducted pretty much like that. Some of those individual interviews with especially landowners, et cetera, uh, we may do um, Connect One and Cushing Terrell only with some of those landowners. And sometimes that's just a you know strategic to get kind of as much information. Sometimes they're willing to share and say, hey, this part's off the record, but let me tell you about this. And, and that just gives us good context for certain things. So um, those usually we, we would probably conduct. Um, and then the municipal meetings, if, if we're in particular areas, um, obviously those are open meetings as well. So if you know those are happening and that's in your community, join those as well. That would be great. I, I, what Heather just described is spot, spot on. I think one of the strategies that we want to try to work on collectively is making sure that we're giving you information on in real time so that you're not hearing something from the public that's coming around the backside that's either counterintuitive to what we're trying, what we're hearing. We want to just make sure it's a seamless process of information so that you're informed all the way through. And if you feel like you want to participate in those meetings and, and as Heather described them, you absolutely should, of course. Um, but there are other meetings that maybe we might get better information, if, no disrespect, but if you're not there, right? But we need to bring that information uh, to you so that you're in the loop all the time. Steve's giving me the, uh, Let's go. we're good. We're, we're good. <laughs> Done. Um, if anybody has any questions, feel free to just give me a call. Um, Email me, but I'll um, send you the tax information and when we get the focus group details um, so we can coordinate um, where, where it may be appropriate for you guys to sit in or be part of that process. And if you have any sort of comments uh, or people that you feel we should also contact, take a look at that list and just let me know. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great evening. Hi, guys. Bye. Um, we don't have anything scheduled uh, for planning commission at our next meeting. So that would be the 20, what, 21st? I believe it's the 21st. Yes, the 21st. So, no problem. Uh, but right now, nothing scheduled. So. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll let you know when we we do have applications in, but they're not ready to schedule. That will still work. So we'll let you know. And then, uh, right now, I mean, this month we're really focusing on that.